Welcome to the third week of the series, Kingdom Culture. I hope that you're digging in, digging into God's Word, digging in in prayer and worship, seeking God so that the culture of heaven becomes the culture in which you live. You know, it's Matthew 6 where Jesus is asked by his disciples to pray, and he says the prayer that we all probably know, even if you don't go to church, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that heaven is a place of perfection, it's a place of joy, it's a a place of peace, and and yet here we are in this broken, crazy world. What are we to do? And that is what this series is all about. You know, in Isaiah 58, 12, which is the verse that was the foundation for planning the church, it says, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You'll raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. What do we do with the brokenness around us? Well, we rebuild. What do we do? The things that have fallen on us, fallen down, we raise them back up, raise up those foundations. We repair the broken things. And we will be called, if we do these things, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Because our faith must have feet. If it's not moving us, that's what, that's what we talked about last week, that if we have to have faith that actually moves us. When we hear of the brokenness, that was out of Nehemiah last week. Does it, does it move us to, to is it, are we in such pain that it moves us to prayer, that it moves us to purity, that it moves us to purpose? Are we in motion? Does the brokenness of this world set you in motion in the place of prayer to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You know, the first week was was really all about Ezra and Ezra chapter one, hearing, you know, we see the word of the Lord, the prophetic word of the Lord being spoken to King Cyrus to, to go back and send the Jews back to Jerusalem to rebuild it. And the Jews had the opportunity to, to partner with the word that God had given to go and rebuild, their hearts were stirred and they moved. See, this is the kingdom culture that we should all strive to, to hear from the Lord, to recognize that God gives us freedom. And when he, he speaks to us, it's an opportunity. Even in his commands, he gives us the freedom to say no. Should we say yes? Of course. Why? Because when we trust and follow the word of the Lord, it leads us to life. And it's never just life for us. That's my prayer, that we are set in motion when we see and hear the brokenness of this world. What is the kingdom culture, kingdom of God, what does it call us to? This is where I want us to look at at Ezra chapter 3 today. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture, because Ezra has gone back with a group of Jews to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And here's what we see in Ezra chapter 3 about the culture of God's kingdom, and, and it really calls us to a couple things. Here's what it says. It says, in the early autumn when the Israelites settled in their towns, they're in Jerusalem, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. So All of those who had left captivity because God had spoken and moved on the heart of the king and they were able to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, they gathered in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Can I just say that part of the the culture that God's called us to is to to work together. In fact, it's one one of our six principles that God's given us as a church that we know that we are better together. And you have to know that 
When you find your your people, you'll find your purpose. When you find your purpose, it's always people, but it's together to see something built. Look at what it says. It says, they gathered in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of God. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. The culture of the kingdom of God calls us to live a life of sacrifice. Like when we hear the word of the Lord, just like all of these people did, and their hearts were stirred, and they left their captivity, they, they walked out of captivity, out of bondage, and back to Jerusalem, even though it was definitely not heaven on earth, it was a destroyed city with a destroyed temple, but God had called them back back to rebuild what was broken. And they gathered together knowing what their purpose was. We're doing this together. Look, we may not be perfect. We're definitely not in a perfect place, but we are called to do this together. And the first thing that they did was they rebuilt the altar because they wanted to sacrifice. And think about this. They had walked somewhere around a thousand miles and they had taken livestock with them and they get to a broken city and the very livestock that they needed to sustain them with food and with milk, they were eager together to build a place where they would sacrifice those animals, not all of them, but they would sacrifice the best among them to God because the culture of the kingdom of God has called us to embrace a life of sacrifice. God, I love you so much. Everything that I have is yours. All of it. And we lay it down together. Why? Because we know that God's called us to make a difference in the world around us. They gathered with the unified purpose. They wanted to rebuild and rebuilding the altar of God. They wanted to sacrifice. Burn offerings as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. I hope that's inspirational to you. They're like, wow, maybe I can be a person that, that trusts God, that, that follows his word, that even if it's taken me to a place that I've never been, to a place that I've never seen, even though I know it's broken, I'm going there with people who are gathered together to make a difference and rebuild the place of God. And the first thing that's required is to embrace a life of sacrifice. That sounds very inspirational, at least it can. But when the rubber meets the road and God speaks to you about what he's calling you to help rebuild in your community, know that it is embracing a life of sacrifice. And that is always, that is always difficult. That's just hard. It can be kind of freaky because as, as those that came with Ezra realized, I, I'm willing, I've got to be willing to give up the very thing that is the sustenance for me. But look at this in verse three, it says, even though the people were afraid because fear of not enough, fear of people looking at you like you're nuts, fear of what the future might hold, it says, even though the people were afraid, but look of who? Of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. They weren't letting anything or anyone deter them from what God had spoken to them. And that is a difficult and hard thing. But the culture of the kingdom of God calls us to embrace a life of sacrifice together, not, not individually. If our relationship with God is so personal that it involves no one else, I'm telling you right now, you don't understand God's word. You don't understand what we're called to in following Jesus because it's following him with others together to see his kingdom come, 
his will done, heaven come down to earth. That's why we're called to rebuild, to raise up, to repair, so that we can be called the restorer of the streets. But it calls us to embrace a life of sacrifice together. What are we going to do together, God, to see your kingdom come today? Of course, there's an individual mandate, but it begins with sacrificing individually and corporately. They sacrifice their heart, their will, their way to go to the place to rebuild a place for God to be glorified. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord each morning and evening. Verse 4. Oh gosh, I love this one. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival, and they offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals prescribed by the Lord. The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord 15 days before the festival of shelters began. The priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they'd started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. But it's, it's verse 4 because I read five and six as well. They celebrated the festival festival of shelters. The festival of, of shelters. Why is that important? Because it was a prescribed festival that commemorated when God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. And they wandered in the wilderness and they lived in makeshift huts, little booths that were made out of branches. And they were remembering where God had been faithful in the past, where their ancestors had trusted God. He delivered them out of bondage, brought them into the land. They had to wander in the wilderness for a while and live in little huts made of branches, but he brought them to a land that was a land of plenty, a land, as the Bible says, is a land flowing with milk and honey, and they built an amazing civilization, and they drifted from the Lord, and God left them to their own devices, and the enemy came in and destroyed them, and they were hauled off again. But this very group of people who themselves had been in bondage ended up going back to the place to rebuild the temple. But before they even lay the foundation, they rebuild the altar. They sacrifice. Then they celebrate. Because listen to me, we're called to embrace in the culture of the kingdom of God, a life of sacrifice and celebration. We're called to celebrate. We're called to sacrifice. Actually, in that order, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, God. I'm going to listen to your word. My heart's going to be stirred. I'm going to embrace the opportunity. I'm going to go to the place with others together to rebuild that, that, that place that you can be glorified. But it is going to require me to sacrifice and celebrate. Some people are bent like for one and not the other. Yeah, I'm kind of the outgoing guy, and you'd think I'd be the guy who celebrates a lot, but truthfully, I'm the guy that's more comfortable. Let's work. Let's put our hands to the grindstone, and let's get this stuff done. And it has become discipline for me to celebrate. Like, that that's... And for some people, they're all about the celebration. Let's remember the good things that happened. Let's celebrate, but they have trouble sacrificing. This is part of the reason that we need each other. But both are required to embrace the life of the culture of the kingdom of God in our life. Sacrifice. Sacrifice before the foundation was laid. Before the foundations laid, they celebrated. They remembered what God had done. What are the good things that God's done for you? Celebrate them. 
ruminate on them. There's an interesting phenomenon all through the Bible. The word remember comes up over and over and over. It's a pattern and a theme in the Bible. And the festival of shelters, them celebrating that before they laid the foundation, let them know this. Yeah, it was destroyed, but God built it once when there was nothing. And now at least we have the spot and we can do it again because God will do it again if you trust him. But you've got to embrace the life of sacrifice and celebration. Verse 8. Actually, I'm just going to read through the chapter. It's just easier, and we have the time. Then the people hired masons and carpenters, and they bought cedar logs from the people in Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. That's modern-day Lebanon. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for all of this. The king that had said, y'all go back and rebuild it, God told me to do that. Verse 8, this is so key. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. Okay, it's been two years and only three chapters in this book. I want you to understand that when God moves, it takes time. He may call you to do something, go do this, and, and he calls you to rebuild this place. It takes time. I don't like this. I can be an impatient person like, Whoa, like even with the storm that came through and literally destroyed the physical place where, where we worshiped, you're like, when is it going to be done? God, this is difficult. And it is. It takes time. But God's more concerned with getting the culture of his heart and his kingdom into you than rebuilding what once was just a religious culture that ultimately ended up in the destruction of their, their temple in the first place. Let God do his thing. But here's what it says. The second year they arrived in Jerusalem, and look at this, the next sentence in verse 8. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from the exile, including Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests and Levites. The Levites were 20 years old, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. Hmm. Look at that. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile. Because here's the second thing. In the culture of the kingdom of God, we have to embrace a life of sacrifice and celebration. Hmm. But we have to engage in the hard work. And the hard work, it's work. And work can be rewarding and wonderful and exciting at times, and at other times it can just absolutely suck. Because it's hard work. But we have to be willing to engage in it because as we talked about last week, there's a practical aspect of seeing heaven come down to earth. If we just pray, God, heaven come down to earth, but we don't, this sounds terrible, but we refuse to pick up our trash and flush our toilets. Our house is going to be nasty. It ain't going to be like heaven on earth because people messy. We have to be willing to get up and do the hard work. This is part of the culture of the kingdom of God that it's sacrifice, that it's celebration, remembering where God's met met us, sowing seeds that we believe that he's going to meet us again, and then putting our hands to the plow to till up the hard ground where human hearts have gotten hard and the enemy's sown salt so that we can get rid of all of that hardness, all of that pollution, so that we can provide a place for God to move again. That's why it says everyone, the workforce was made up of everyone, who had returned from exile. There was kids up in there. Like, there were animals in there. Even the animals were working. They didn't have bulldozers and tractors and backhoes and cranes. There were every, 
everyone, everything was working. Why? Because they saw the vision of a broken community, a destroyed temple, and they remembered that God had brought them out of slavery once, out of captivity again, and he could rebuild that place. Man. Okay. Mm, verse 10, when the builders completed the foundation, because they cleaned off the slab, rebuilt the foundations in the same place. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, took their place to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed, with praise and thanks. They sang this song to the Lord. He's so good. His faithful love endures forever. What are they doing? They're celebrating again. They're praising God. If you think that, that, that worship is a service or that worship is a song, it can be both of those things. But the end, at the end of the day, worship and godly celebration is putting God in his right place because we choose to be surrendered and submitted to our right place. That's good. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. Wow. Verse 12 is really key, because they had been in captivity for 70 years, but they had some old, old people there with them, like in their 90s probably. And they had remembered what the last temple was like. Verse 12, but many of the older priests, the Levites, and the other leaders who had seen the first temp temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. And the others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and the weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard in the far distance. Why did the old people cry and the young people shout? Because the old people knew what the, the old temple was like. And even though the foundation was laid just the same, anytime you, I don't know if you, I've been in construction a long time. Like I, I love construction. I've been around commercial construction, residential construction. And one thing I've learned is that when you look at a slab, everybody's first thought is, huh, that's way too small. The slab was poured, was, was laid to the same exact standards as the first temple, but the old people remembered what they had before and wept because it was just the foundation. Probably didn't look big enough, but then the young people who had never seen it before were just excited. They were just excited that they laid the foundation as prescribed by God's word. Why is this important? Because when God moves and he calls you to rebuild, oftentimes it's not the way, the when, the how, or what you might expect, but you have to be willing to trust God and continue on in the hard work, regardless of how you feel. Listen to me, that's, you can be all excited. Y'all people seen people that are so excited to do things for God or just do things at work, maybe even just a work project. That's going to be awesome. And they get into the hard work and after a while they're like, oh, this is terrible, I quit. And then sometimes you'll see people that are funky at the outset, like this is I'm a stupid job, I don't want to do this. But they get into it and then they're all gung-ho about it. What needs to lead us is not our emotions and our feelings, but our commitment to see God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we know that we are called to rebuild, to raise up, to repair, so that people will go, wow, those are the guys that restore, and girls, restore the streets that we can live in. Because we have embraced the life of sacrifice and celebration, and we've engaged in the hard work. But then, 
comes chapter 4. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, let us build with you. And then the leader said, no way, you're the enemy. We're not going to let you build. That's a right response. You need to be careful about who you allow in your life. They actually say, you have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple. Then in verse 4, the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Verse 6, years later, when Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of the people of Judah wrote accusations against the people of Judah in Jerusalem. Let me just say, when you choose to embrace the call that is on your life, to sacrifice, to celebrate, to rebuild, to raise up, to repair, the enemy will always come. You can sacrifice, you can celebrate, you can do the hard work, but let me tell you this, the enemy's coming, and he's going to do everything he can. He's going to try and build alongside of you so that he can sow seeds of discord, and he can sabotage what God's doing because you've allowed the enemy to, you've partnered with him. Where, have you, where are you partnered with the enemy? Is it in what you watch, what you listen to, who you know you shouldn't be around because of the influence that they have on you and you don't even like it? Where's the enemy done that? Where, where have you encountered the discouragement, the frustration? That's the enemy at work to keep you on the track where you're sacrificing, celebrating, and doing the hard work, knowing that God's going to build. Maybe there's those that accuse, that slander you, that, that work against you. The goal of the enemy in all of that is to get you to stop. And, and in fact, in chap- the end of chapter 4, the work does stop because the enemy set in. But in chapter 5, it's a new day. because And here's what you got to get. The pattern of the Word of God in your life has to be preeminent. Because even though they stop, they, they come gung-ho. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to celebrate. We're going to do the work, hard work. And they did. But then they got tripped up by the enemy and they stopped. But it wasn't the end. It wasn't the end because in chapter 5, God speaks another word through his prophets and they start the process all over again. So let me tell you right now, you have to decide, are you going to keep building the kingdom of God? Are you going to stay down in the place where you got your butt kicked? We've all had our butt kicks by the enemy. We've probably stopped the work of God in our life. The enemy's won in that moment. He may have won that battle, but he'll never win the war. And God is speaking to you today saying, get back out there, get back up turn to him. He's got a call on your life to build a place for him, and it's not just for you. It's for the people around you because God's created you to be an influencer and see wholeness and life and peace and joy emanate from you to impact this world. So what are you going to do? You let the enemy kick your butt? Stay down? Because it's a pattern. Enemy's always going to show up. You're going to you're gonna have to bust him. I don't know if that's actually a word, but it works. You have to bust him, get him up, beat him up, get up, rise up. Maybe, maybe that's been you. Maybe, maybe you need to embrace sacrifice and celebration. Maybe you got to get up and do the hard work, even though it's hard. Or maybe the enemies come in and just really kicked you in the teeth. This is a word from the Lord that says, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Never give up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up.
Father, I just pray that everyone that hears my my voice can hear yours. They can they can sense that you're speaking to them. You're calling them to you to surrender all of themselves to you, to lay their sins at the feet of your cross and receive your forgiveness, Jesus, to hear your whisper and calling them to you, to see heaven come down right where they are first in their life and then emanate out so that their sphere of influence is really you at work to bring people to the place of light and life. Bless them as they surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Love y'all. See you next week.